I want to talk about a, a message tonight, and uh, you know that Jesus talked about a few parables. He talked about the lost coin. He talked about the lost sheep. Uh, tonight, I would like to talk about the parable I believe that probably meant the most to him was the lost son. Uh, how many of you know God cares about sons and daughters? If you didn't say amen, then he didn't care for you because you're a son or a daughter. I mean, you thank God he cared for you. Had he not cared for you, you'd be a man most miserable. God cared enough for us to pull us out of the mess we're in. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus talks about a story, talks about a parable, and this parable has been probably preached more than any other parable. And you've probably heard this parable talked about before. This parable has been called the prodigal son, the tale of two sons, from the pen to the palace. Tonight, what I'd like to title this message is party time. It's party time. You know, we're seeing the debates now. We're seeing all the elections. How many of you are kind of tired of the elections? Come on, let's get real. If you're a Christian, you know that the government one day will be on Jesus' shoulder. And it's going to be a righteous government. When the debates take place, there's a lot of party time, a lot of clapping happening in some of the parties. Well, I believe no greater party than what the Lord reveals in Luke chapter 15. But he talks about three parties. Talks about a, a, a number of things going on in the book of Luke. And I want to start in, uh, in verse uh, 11 as we uh, read in Luke chapter 15. It said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me this share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the, son, the younger son gathered everything together and went into a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, let me let you know something. Jesus is talking to a very religious crowd. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to people. I know we've heard this story time and time again. And a lot of times we already know the end of the story. But sometimes we maybe don't know what the background of the story is. There's a lot of religious leaders then. A lot of Pharisees present. As a matter of fact, he just rebuked the Pharisees. That's why he comes to, I believe, share this story. He talks about a certain man that had two sons. And in this society, this was not a poor society. This is a very high-fluting society. This is a society that was very religious. This is a society that Jesus was coming to talk about. And they knew a lot about the law. As a matter of fact, when he said a certain man had two sons, or a father had two sons, and the younger son came to the father and said, Father, give me the estate that falls to me. Let me let you know something. The religious crowd went berserk. As a matter of fact, you could probably hear your religious crowd say, He did what? That no good son did what? How many of you know what had to take place in order for him to get the estate? Actually, in order to get the inheritance, he didn't ask for the inheritance. He didn't want the inheritance. The inheritance came with responsibility. He wanted the estate. He wanted the stuff that he could sell at the pawn shop. 
And you got a crowd that's pretty angry. And this crowd is pretty angry. They're wondering, they cannot believe that a son would ask the father for such a disgraceful thing. As a matter of fact, they're pretty angry. Anybody ever get angry in church? Come on, you lie, you fry, you're in church. Anybody ever get angry in your Christian walk? Can't believe how God treats sinners with grace and mercy. How many of you would be real sometimes and say, if I'd be God, I wouldn't treat him like that? Come on, let's get real. Y'all ain't that holy. Each and every one of us would probably have some of the same disdain that this crowd has. And they're hearing Jesus tell a story about a parable of a man, a young man, probably 16 years old, and never drove a tractor in his life. And wants the estate. And then the young man takes the estate and probably sells the land for half the price. Because he's got to have liquidated funds. By the way, the life he's fixing to lead, you can't get it with just land and houses. you got to have money in your pocket. Not many days later, he went to a far country. He went on a journey. Went to a far country. Wanted to be away from his father. As a matter of fact, it was tantamount to him, to him saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because in order for him to get the estate, the dad had to die. And by the way, a lot of people try, try to remove the other son. By the way, he gave them both the estate. It says he gave both, he gave it to them. Both of them were there. A lot of people try to remove the other son from the picture. No, Jesus is talking about a pharisaical attitude. And I think we need to be very careful of what we do with what God gives us. God has given us some great things we need to protect. In this passage, Jesus has given the story. He said he went into a far country, into a distant country, and there squandered his estate with loose living. It's party time. How many of you remember the honky-tonks, the nightclubs? Come on, how many y'all not that holy? It amazes me how many people get saved and they fail to start telling the other generation of what God pulled them out of. I don't know about you. I'm thankful God pulled me out. And by the way, he pulled me out for me to go and pull another sinner out. Not for me to go back and boogie-woogie with him. Matter of fact, my wife and I just went on a cruise. It's amazing how many Christians said, Brother Russell, don't, don't, don't tell nobody you saw me here. Run across Christian people that want to hide from God into a far country. Oh, yeah, it might have been a ship. Might not have been the Middle East, but it was the Caribbean. Want to know what it's like? To live without God. God didn't pull me out to jitterbug with the sinners. God pulled me out that I might be able to bring some to heaven. When God pulled me out, he called me to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. Then I'll receive you. It amazes me how people are attracted to sin. 
Oh, it's quiet. I'm going to preach it anyway. By the way, I've never come to churches to preach a popularity contest. You know, I've never come to churches so when I leave, people could pat me on the back and say, I love you. Some of you may hate my guts after tonight. But you got to love me to go to heaven. Say so when he has spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country. And boy, I could stay here a while and camp out. I got to take a jet tour tonight because of time. A severe famine occurred in the country, and he began to be impoverished. He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now, let me let you know something. A famine has broken out, and where did all this guy's money go? Why didn't he invest it in something? Instead, he took all his dad's money and he squandered it. And now a famine's in the land. And he can't even find a job. He's probably begging some churchgoer for somebody rich. Come on, man, give me a job, man. I need a job, man. I need a job. It amazes me how many inmates come out of prison and they try to last themselves on to people that can give them some money. I know I see it all the time. That's why I tell churches, churches be very careful. Inmates coming out and leeching off the church, always wanting it for free. I didn't, I didn't, look, when I work, I expect to get paid, but they expect a full day's wage. They want me to work hard with my hands that I might be able to give unto them that have need. This man here hired himself, tried to find somebody rich. Put me to work, put me to work, put me to work. Man probably had to get rid of him. Said, look, man, I can't get rid of this guy. So I tell you what, I got a bunch of pigs over there. Why don't you go feed some pigs? Now to a Jew, you can about imagine the crowd. He did what? He's feeding pigs. You mean to tell me this man's son that squandered all his living is now feeding pigs? The crowd is upset. But they're not half as upset as they're fixing to get. You know, this is not a quiet crowd. This is a very, very religious, upset crowd, as Jesus is telling this parable. said a severe famine occurred in the country. And he began to be impoverished, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything to eat. Now, let me let you know something. To a Jew, to a younger son, this is about as bad as it gets. It's about as rough as it gets right now. He's at the bottom of his life. But the next verse says, but when he came to his senses. And I want to share something with you right here. God has given us a conscience. And sometimes people's conscience doesn't wake up till you're at the bottom of the pig pen. But it wakes up. When this man came to his sentence, his senses, repentance starts with an accurate assessment of your condition. 
Today we got people coming to the altar and don't even know why they're repenting. They just coming. I believe we need to have a starting place, church. We need to have an accurate assessment of who we are and what we've done with a holy God. An altar call is not given just so I can come and make me feel good. An altar call is given that I might die, that he might live through me. That's what altars were for. Altars were a place of death where self has to die that a new man might come to life. This man realized an accurate assessment of where he was and was on his way to repentance when he came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my fathers, and you can stop right there. This is the first time his dad ever came into the picture. When he got ready to leave home, he wished his dad was dead. As a matter of fact, didn't want nothing to do with his dad. It's amazing when people want to live a life without God. And it's the first time his dad comes in to the pictures. Dad wasn't in the picture when he was with the prostitutes. Dad wasn't in the picture when he was running his life, when he was having his party. But now he comes to his senses, and his dad's in the picture. And I can't encourage the, the church enough. Church, how much is the father in your picture daily? Or do we like to live our own life separate from him? And God will see you when it's church time, Wednesday, Sunday. Kind of forget about you through the week. Oh, it's quiet in you. He said, how many of my father's hard men, well, I could preach there, have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hard men. And let me let you know something, you know, once again, repentance. Repentance starts with an accurate assessment of who we are. And by the way, when you came to Jesus, you said, Father, I have no rights. Not my will done, but yours. Father, I have no privileges. And that's really what he's coming back to tell his father. I have no rights. I have no privileges. The only privileges and rights I have, God, is what you've allowed me to gain in your word. Outside of your kingdom, I'm lost. Outside of your kingdom, I have no authority. I have no rights. I have no privileges. He got up and he came to his father. And you can about imagine the Pharisees. You're thinking right now, boy. Boy, you're starting to realize where the bread and butter actually is. He said, but while he was still a long way off. Now, let me let you know something. Before we read this part of the story, the Pharisees are having their party. Because the Pharisees love people to be miserable. Religious people love for God to be able to give other people punishment 
but they don't want that punishment themselves. It amazes me how many people talk about the inmates, of how bad they are, and how righteous the church is. It amazes me how many people on Sunday say, bought him no good inmates, them inmates this. Not knowing that God's called pastors in the prisons. Not all of them are thugs. By the way, in prison, Jesus said he was there, so be careful who you're talking about. That's what Jesus said he was. He said, I was in prison, you visited me. Not a thug. Not a murderer. They born again. <laughs> Ready for heaven. But you got Pharisees that have a party. And their party starts beginning when it's more about them than it is about God. It's more about their rules. I, I go to a lot of churches, and I thank God for this church. This church is a family church. There are some churches I've asked the Lord never to send me back to. i never forget I was on one of y'all men's retreats. kind of brings back some memory. I was on one of y'all men's retreats, and Bob Bousset and I stopped at a store before we went to ABC campground. Stopped at a store, and Bob introduced the man. He knew the man. He introduced him to me. And he said, by the way, this man goes into the prisons. He was a good friend of Bob's. Matter of fact, this man goes to the Baptist church in the area. The man looked at me and said, you go to the prisons? I said, yes, sir, I sure do. He said, you know what I do with all them inmates? I line them up against the wall and shoot them all. Don't say there's no Pharisees in the church. Until I looked at that man and said, what if it was your son? What if it was your son? Different story now. Quiet now. You got grandkids, sir? Yes, sir. What if it was your grandkids? It's quiet now. But if it was you, you'd line them all up against the wall and shoot them. It's amazing the pharisaical spirit in the church. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Pharisees think that they're having their party right now. I've been to churches where they don't want to receive You know, the, the pastor will bring up a, an ex-inmate and he'll let them know he just came out of prison, so we need to support him. And how many of you would be honest at times? You would be pharisaical and say, man, I don't know what that man doing up there. I don't know if I can forgive him. What if it was Derek Todd Lee? Some of you might not know who he is. He's a serial killer. I was two blocks down when Derek Todd Lee got arrested in Atlanta, Georgia. I've heard Derek Todd Lee has repented. Say, bro, Russell, you believe that? That's between him and God. I, I can't judge any man's salvation. I've not gone sat with him. Don't know the fruit of his life. But I'm going to let you know something, church. Church, be very careful of being too pharisaical. That's exactly where the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were those that were saying, he getting ready to get a punishment. He getting ready. He deserves it, by the way. Look what he did to this church. Look what he did to this family. Look what he did to this household. That's where the Pharisees were. And by the way, he's coming home. He's come to his senses. And you know what's supposed to happen? As a matter of fact, they already had a funeral. He's dead. In their culture, 
When a son did that to the father, the son was looked at as already dead. It already had a funeral for him. He was gone. He's no longer to be remembered in the father's presence. So he's now coming home and they're saying, Boy, let me tell you what's waiting for you when you get home. Now, we get the story, and we think love and hugs and kisses. No, 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 no. No, what was waiting for him when he, had to, when he got back home, the father, as a matter of fact, wasn't supposed to even look at him. When he ran back home, he was to run past his father, and his father wasn't supposed to even recognize him. How many of you ever been a warden to your children? Brother Russell has. To this young girl right here. It's amazing she's with me tonight and wasn't expecting to share this story. Christy, at a young age, wanted to try roads. And for three months, she tried. And she walked away from the house. And Brother Russell was a very legalistic warden. As a matter of fact, she wrote a letter to the Roseberry Penitentiary. She asked Warden Roseberry. She was seeking parole. Because I punished her for two weeks. We still have that letter, by the way. But she walked out the house, and Brother Roseberry became very legalistic. Very hard. With no grace. And I thank God that today, God restored a relationship between me and my daughter. And she's brought two awesome grandsons. But it lets you know that even in the church... You can become legalistic. I remember my wife telling me, she says, uh, you need grace in your life. When I first got saved, you needed to lock me up for six months. I remember raising my kids up. And, and, and I don't know how many of you remember those times where, you know, you, you look, you lay hands on people. They got to get well right away, right away. And believe in no doctors. Doctors, no. Doctors don't heal. Matter of fact, my son had a, a, a diaper rash. We didn't put no desinent on his body. Oh, no, doctor, no, desinent can't heal. Jesus can heal. I mean, you know, we need to learn some grace, church. And this man needed to know grace. I'm no different than anyone in the church. And then God brings me to a prison where majority of the inmates, I probably wouldn't have given you a buck nickel for had it not been the Lord that changed my heart. Started letting me know that, son, you cannot be pharisaical. I've called you to be caring. I've called you to be loving. I've called you to be discerning. But discern in love. See, while he was still a long way off, and I'm having to take a, take a jet tour right here, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion on him, ran and embraced him and kissed him. <laughs> Brother Kelly, if you don't mind, stand please. The father saw him a long way off and then just gave him a handshake. Father took him and embraced him. I thank God he's got cologne on. When the father embraced him, he wasn't smelling cologne. He was living with the pigs. But the father embraced his son 
and the crowd is angry. I can't believe that this father would do this to a son. The crowd is angry. And the Bible says he embraced the son and he said, quickly, 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 before you judge too quick and stop the process. He said, quickly, get the fatted calf. Get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. And I could preach on all four of them. Bring them quickly. My son, who was dead, is now found. It's party time. Yeah, son had a party. Pharisees had a party. But let me let you know something. God's fixing to have a party. How many of you are thankful you came home? How many of you got tired of eating pig slop? Pig slop. God help me not go back to the pig slop. You pulled me out of the pig slop. You are what you eat, church. Be careful what your eyes see. A lot of pig slop on TV today. A lot of pig slop in this world today. As a matter of fact, you use your cell phone to win people to Jesus. He's given us a mission. When all is said and done, I want to hear him say, Welcome, thou good and faithful servant. By the way, I got a supper prepared for you. And by the way, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a Cajun meal. Well, she's going in around the world where they call the night meal supper. You know, it's amazing how people are trying to change that word today. We're in Cajun land. It's supper time. What happened to changing it to dinner time? There's going to be some boo down on that marriage supper of the Lamb. God knows how to sanctify it. I believe my eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that the Lord has prepared for them who love Him. The church is party time. It's party time for the prodigal has come home. And when y'all sang that song tonight, I'm running to you. By the way, the father would have never ran had he not had a son running to him. Don't expect God to run to you if you're not going to run to him. People are wondering why God don't answer this, don't answer this, how much you run into him. And I'm not talking about running to him with complaints. Running to him. I have no rights, God. None. None. It's not... Give me this, give me this, your word says it. Give me this, give me this, give me this. No, you have no rights. None. But whatever he gives you will be what's best for you. Because God knows what's best for you. This amazes me today how many people think that we can just throw God around like he's a rag doll. God is holy. And God is in charge and you're not. God has had to let this man know, son, you're not in charge of this. I'm in charge of this. 
God, I'm running to you. And I don't know where you are in life, but let me let you know something. I hope you're not the older brother. And I don't know where you are tonight in the crowd. I hope you're not the older brother. Because enjoy all the parties you have down here, because one day the party's over. The older brother represents the one that never went to the party. Never went to the party. Stood on the outside. And a lot of people that tell me today, and I hear it, I used to work for Gulf State Utilities. I remember they used to tell me, and how many you probably hear on your workforce too, oh man, when we go to hell, we're going to party in hell. No, you're not. Oh, oh, no, you're not. No, read Ecclesiastes chapter 9. The Bible knows more than you know. The Bible says there is no activity in hell. You ain't going to party. There ain't no party going on. As a matter of fact, I put that down for tonight. I wrote it down. And I know I put it down just for tonight. I looked at it and I said, boy, this looks good for tonight. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. It said, well, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in shoal where you are going. And I've had to let many people know that think they're going to party. Party's over. If you're living for the devil now, I'm going to encourage you to repent and run to God. If you're a prodigal running from the Lord, come to your senses and run to God. Don't expect him to run to you. He's looking for you to make the first move. The father would not have run off the porch had he not seen the son coming. So tonight, I pray that you're the one that's going to the party and you have something to give to the father. Things to remember, God receives and embraces the penitent sinner. God replaces the sinner with his grace. And God gives his child full rights to represent him. Question. What contribution are you making to the party? You're going to make a contribution in saying, God, no longer on my terms, all on your terms. Husband, wife, lay down the gloves. Quit fighting. And you say, brother, what do you know about fighting? My wife and I have lived 41 years in our marriage. It has not been Rainbow Road. When her and I first met, I dodged knives and I woke up to a gun in my face. Said, you move, you're a dead man. I surrender all, baby. It's time to surrender. You better know when to surrender. God took a mess, turned it into a message. And we preached that message. God, no longer on our terms. It's on your terms. And tonight, and by the way, I don't tell you to bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around. I go to prison. You don't know what's missing when you pick your head up again if you tell inmates to bow their heads in a prison. I'll just let people know, you know, if you find yourself in the story, where do you find yourself? What do you bring into the party? 
Maybe you need to be one that needs to run to the altar today and say, God, no longer on my terms. It's got to be your terms. I must die. If you're a prodigal, maybe you just came into church tonight because you wanted to come to church. But you've been running from God. Only you know that. Quit running from him and run to him. Give him something to work with. He desires to embrace you. And there's not a person in this church tonight that he doesn't want to embrace. And you might ask the question, why the prodigal story? Well, I believe the moral of that story, when the father embraced the son, he embraced the son before the son could get to the city. Once again, I just embraced Brother Carey. If I would have not embraced him, as a matter of fact, this is the word pitch I give people. I believe as the son was running, he was running, by the way, he wasn't walking. He was running, there was a force, and I believe the father had to actually grab him and say, hold up. The city wants to kill you. You got an angry brother. You got Jews that don't care for you. You squandered it, they want to kill you. The father embraced the son before the son could get to the city. And there's not a person in the service tonight that the father does not want to embrace before you go back to your city. Because there are some people that don't like you. Unless you're a more likable person than everybody on the block. There are some relatives that don't like you. There's some co-workers that don't like you. By the way, there's people that live in for the devil that hates Jesus in you. That's why tonight before you leave, allow the Father to embrace you before you go back to your city. So tonight I want to close in a word of prayer. And if you want to come and spend some time at the altar, if you want to pray with somebody in the service as we close, be led of the Lord as the high of the Lord leads you. I want us to stand and I want us to close in prayer tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. God, your word is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, tonight, God, we read about, Lord God, it's party time. It was party time for a son. It was party time for the religious crowd. But God, it's party time for the church. God, it's party time where, God, you embrace your bride and tonight father before we leave i thank you lord that you give us this opportunity god that you might embrace each and every one of us i thank you for ministering to your bride tonight god those that know you those that have accepted the lord jesus christ and god has accepted that covenant god you're preparing for yourself a bride adorned spotless and we thank you lord god that you're preparing us as a bride I thank you, Father God, for your embrace tonight. Thank you for ministering, Lord God, to your church. God, those that don't know you, maybe a prodigal, I pray, Lord, that he would run to you. She would run to you. God, I pray, Lord God, that they would come and realize no longer on my terms. All on your terms, God. No longer my will be done, but yours be done in my life. 
I thank you for ministering, Lord. I thank you for being with this church and continuing to bless family life. We give you praise, Lord God, for all your blessings tonight. Allow your word to penetrate deep into our hearts. And that, God, we might be able to go into a world and share your love, the love of a father that is ready to forgive the sinner. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.